Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am David Walker, and we're back on the podcast. And I am joined by two of my favorite people. First and foremost, the one and only Gina Kelly. Gina, say hi to the podcast listeners. Hello, friends. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> um, and also joining us is the host of the Falcoholic Live on YouTube, and that is the one and only Kevin Knight. Kev, say howdy. Hey, guys. Howdy. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, you podcast listeners are probably very familiar with Kevin's voice, uh, given the fact that uh, we have begun uh, putting the recaps of the Falcoholic Live in audio format on this very podcast. Uh, so thank you, Kevin, for that. Um, let's talk a little bit today. We, we got together for this podcast. We want to talk a little bit about where the Falcons roster stands right now uh, ahead of the 2021 NFL draft. Obviously, we're, uh, we've, we've hit the official beginning of the 2021 NFL season. Um, free agency has kicked off. Uh, and obviously, you know, we knew going in the Falcons were going to have cap issues. That was not surprising to anybody. Uh, we've already talked in the past about you know, them uh, restructuring Ryan's deal to create cap space. Uh, some of those other things. We're going to leave that conversation in the past and talk more about where the roster is right now, where the cap space is right now, and really sort of the implications for free agency going forward for the draft. Um, and, but before we get into that, I want to talk about some of the key departures because I think this is going to influence uh, you know, the conversation about the draft, the conversation about free agency going forward. Um, and I want to focus in on three key guys None of these are surprises, but I think their departures uh, could have an impact on what the, the Falcons continue to do in free agency um, as they move forward. The first name, again, this one I think everyone saw coming. Uh, he wasn't cut. It was just you know his contract had run up, and that is uh, center Alex Mack, who in his time at Atlanta was uh, absolutely phenomenal, uh, arguably one of the top five centers in the league for most of his time here. I believe he made all pro two times in Atlanta. Um, he did end up signing with Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. Um, the next name on the list, again, I think fans were a little bit more disappointed by this one. Uh, he was a bit of a fan favorite, and that is safety Keanu Neal, former first-round pick for the Falcons. He did do what everyone thought he would do. He is rejoining Dan Quinn, who uh, coached him in college and, of course, uh, drafted him in the first round with the Falcons. Uh, he is joining Dan Quinn with the Dallas Cowboys. And finally, Ricardo Allen, who was a cap casualty. Again, I think for the writers, at least, you know, his fans are sort of split on him. But for us, one of our favorite players, because he's just an incredible guy, uh, he did sign a one-year deal with the Cincinnati Bengals after being cut. Um, obviously, two starters at safety, um, Alex Mack, you know, starting center. So, Gene, I want to go to you here first, because uh, you've interacted with all these guys um, mm -hmm. in training camp. You've talked with them personally. What are your thoughts on the Falcons losing arguably three 
really important players over the past, you know, four or five years with this team. You know, it's one of the things that I hate about the job and there really are not many of those, but um, you know, Alex Mack, such a good guy, obviously moving toward the end of his career. Um, while I do appreciate seeing him reunited with Kyle Shanahan uh, and I do have concerns about his, you know, health at his age, at this point, um, you know, I'm still sorry to see him go. You really, we've been so fortunate to have such stability at that position for the last few years. And I really think that having that stability was key uh, in the 2016 season when they made it to the Super Bowl. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious about some growing pains at that spot because it's such an important position. You know, the center is the, is the, is the center of the communication along the line too. So it's going to be interesting, but yeah, sorry to see him go. Keanu and Ricardo, I, I understand the moves. Um, right. You know, I understand choosing to move on from them both, but Keanu is just such a fun player to watch when he's fully healthy. I'm actually very excited for him that he landed in Dallas. You know, I think that Dan Quinn really understands him having recruited him at Florida and then obviously drafted him in Atlanta. And so I think that that's a really good fit for him. Uh, same thing with Ricardo. You know, I understand the decision to move on, but what a joy to watch his career unfold back from, you know, getting cut on his during his rookie <laughs> preseason on hard knocks and, uh, you know, getting getting a little bit famous for wearing a dad outfit to go zip lining and then, <laughs> you know, eventually being converted to safety and playing well. You know, I think that he really played well and not only became, a starting safety, but sort of the quarterback of the defense. And so, yes. yeah, really, really sorry to see him go, but excited to see what he can do in, in Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, and Kevin, I'm, I'm looking at this and, you know, obviously losing two starting safeties <laughs> puts <laughs> some serious holes on the roster. Um, obviously the team has Matt Hennessy, who they drafted last year, but there seems to be some talk around the idea that the Falcons may still look for someone in free agency at center to uh, potentially, I guess, compete with Hennessy or maybe even be the starter. Um, what are your thoughts on these departures and, and some of the rumors around Hennessy and, and whether or not they're going to go after someone uh, to compete with him in camp? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting when the biggest name free agent the Falcons were connected to was David Andrews, the center from New England. And right. I always had a hard time believing that he was actually going to get out of New England because... The, the Patriots do this with some of their free agents. They're like, you go out, find out what, you're will what other teams are willing to pay you, and then we'll just pay that because we want you to stay in New England. And he probably wanted to stay there too, which is fair. Um, but that does signal something interesting, which is they maybe aren't as comfortable with Matt Hennessy as maybe we would have we thought initially. Um, you know, Hennessy being a third rounder didn't play a ton. When he did play, he was a lot better at center than when they tried to shove him in at guard. So right. um I don't think it's like a crisis if Hennessy goes into the year as the starter at center, but I wouldn't be shocked uh, if they're looking to find another guy who can play center, possibly, um, you know, whether that's like a Steven Wisniewski who's still out there, a guy who can play guard and center is not going to be uh, expensive or maybe some, someone in the draft, you know, who could fill that role as well. Someone versatile. And there's a lot of those guys. I'm sure we'll talk about that later in the show. Um, so that, that is interesting. Um, but they definitely have to find at least one more interior offensive lineman, regardless of anything else that happens. Um, and then at safety, it's rare to move on from both of your starting safeties in one off season. We don't really see it. Um, so, I mean, the cupboard's pretty bare there. Uh, you know, there is a free agent <laughs> addition 
that we that we added that I'm sure we will get to as well. But uh, it's odd to say the least. Uh, so we're going to see a very very different back half of our secondary going into 2021. Yeah, and and really on that note, you know, we say two starting safeties, but uh, when the Falcons started their defense beginning of 2020. They actually had three safeties listed as starter with DeMonte KZ being listed as a starter as well. And all three guys are uh, effectively going to be gone. The the Falcons did not make any moves to keep KZ, uh, which to your point is rare and maybe doubly rare that it was three for the Falcons and all (laughs) three are gone. Um, Literally the only safety they, they carried over was Jalen Hawkins, their um, draft pick uh, in, in day three from last year. So very interesting. And as you mentioned, we will talk about one of the moves they've made to address the position. Um, but before we yeah, do that, I wanna, before, oh yeah, yeah, one, one quick note just before we move on is that they could be in line for some pretty decent compensatory picks for these three players. Oh, Alex yeah. Mack getting, you know, 5 million, Keanu Neal. I guess maybe we're not exactly sure what his deal looks like with the Cowboys yet. And same with Ricardo. Um, but they could be in line for, you know, some day three it's like early, fairly early day three compensatory picks for these players because they did not add expensive players in free agency. So that's something to keep an eye on. <laughs> right. As we're going to get into um, the, this, the Falcons have done the, the uh, bargain shopping that we all thought they would. Uh, but it is funny to see because you, you kind of go through this list of like, man, they're, they're really not paying anybody. Um which is all subjective. I would love to get paid, you know, one million for one year of uh, playing football. Uh, anyhow, the if we go by the the popular site overthecap.com, which is going to be our reference point, they're usually pretty accurate. They're close. Um, the Falcons right now are at fifty one players. Now, over at overthecap.com, they have the Falcons at fifty players, but they don't have Fabian Moreau, uh, the cornerback that we just signed um, from Washington. Uh, so he is not accounting for this, but with 50 players, they have the Falcons with 1.2 million in cap space for 2021. Um, Kev, we talked about this a little bit before. I want you to just uh, fill in our listeners on the, the rule of 51, the 51 player rule, uh, and the fact that probably right now where the Falcons stand is they're probably a few hundred thousand uh, under the cap with Fabian Moreau factored in. So if you could just talk, talk about that rule and what this probably means for free agency going forward. Yes. The top 51 rule is something that was designed to let play, basically let teams get to the 90 man training camp roster without it impacting the cap. Cause the cap is designed around a 53 man roster. So if you're trying to squeeze 90 players into a 53 man cap, it's going to create problems. So basically from the start of the new league year to the end of training camp, final cuts, only the top 51 most expensive contracts on your roster actually count against the salary cap. And this is important for the Falcons in particular, because now that they are at 51, any future contracts will either be if they're, if they're lower than the lowest contract on the roster, which right now is 660,000. That is literally the minimum amount they could pay a player at this point. Um, It's not going to count at all. If it's more than that, what happens is because the 660,000 from another contract is already being counted against the cap, you're going to subtract that from any deal they sign. So we'll say Fabian Moreau's deal is probably like 850 K something like that based on his accrued experience. Um, So that would leave the Falcons with, you know, 400,000 give or take. So say they want to sign another veteran minimum player for around 800 K you would subtract the 660,000 from the existing contract from that. So 
a veteran minimum contract would cost them maybe like 200,000 instead. Um, So that means they could actually squeeze in maybe two more veteran minimum contracts, despite the fact that they would only have a couple hundred thousand dollars in cap space. Um, And this rule will continue to to be in effect until um, basically final cuts, which means that the draft class, because I know everyone's going to ask about this, the draft class in theory costs $13 million based on the current picks they have, but all of those draft contracts are going to be subject to this rule as well which means it's only going to end up costing around 7 million instead of 13, Um, which means obviously they still need to clear more space to afford that. But um, until the draft class, they don't really need any more cap room, but I suspect that they will clear it anyway, because they still need to sign some more players. Really? Yeah. (laughs) They, they have to get to 90 for training camp. So, and they have, as you mentioned, have to sign their draft class. However many players that ends up being right now, it could potentially right now, if they drafted, only where they're at, they're going to have nine players coming to camp. Um, and obviously, we we know as Falcons fans that that number is subject to change based on trades and movement. Uh, it could be higher, it could be lower. Uh, but yeah, right now, nine, uh, nine rookies coming in from this draft class. Um, to that point, uh, we've talked about this before. I'm just going to you know, touch on this and then head to our next topic. Um, right now, the two likeliest targets to free up additional cap space or Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones, um, most of us uh, at the site and uh, as well at, you know, Tori McElhaney and uh, Jeff Schultz at The Athletic all feel like Grady Jarrett is probably, they're probably trying to work out an extension with him to free up cap space, uh, which would allow the Falcons to not only reduce his cap hit this year, but potentially in 2022, uh, because believe it or not, uh, next year, even if the cap goes up a good bit, the Falcons are still going to be uh, pretty pinched against the salary cap. Uh, so right now, those are the two guys to pay attention to over the next few weeks to see what they do with Jarrett and, and, and Debo to free up some additional cap space. All right. I want to talk about some of the new, new additions to the team. Um, the first one I want to talk about, Gina, is um, tight end Lee Smith, who in my notes, I originally put Bill Lee. <laughs> and then, uh, he, he's coming from the Bills. Uh, the Falcons did end up trading next year's seventh round pick, their 2022 seventh round pick to Buffalo to acquire this veteran tight end. Uh, just to give you guys uh, a feel for this, in his career, he has 64 receptions, 458 yards, uh, and 10 touchdowns. Uh, he is 33 years old. So this is not, this guy is not a receiving tight end. Like those are numbers you would see like for half a season from like a Travis Kelsey (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and not over an entire career. So the Falcons, they're bringing in a guy who I think is known, you know, from what we've read, known really well for being, you know, a a fantastic player in, uh, in the locker room. He's a good blocking tight end. Um, What are your thoughts on the Falcons sort of, you know, punting this seventh round pick next year to bring in this veteran? Yeah. I don't really mind it at all. I mean, I think that we all agree that the Falcons could be better at blocking. Uh, <laughs> so bringing in a blocking tight end does not bother me. Obviously, Hayden Hurst is still around. I think that he has great potential. I think that he, you know, certainly flashed that multiple times last year and with an, another like a full off season on site to develop chemistry with Matt Ryan and settle in with a new offense and everything. Um, yeah, I think that I think that they're going to be fine. I could still see them drafting a receiving tight end. I know that we've talked a lot about how is his name escaping me right now? Um, 
the tight end that people are calling for it. Oh, Kyle floor. Pitts. Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts. Yeah. I was like Kyle Hill. And then I was like, that sounds very wrong because it is. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're batting a thousand today between Bill Lee and Kyle Hill. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't mind the Lee Smith signing at all. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, any thoughts on, uh, not Bill Lee, but Lee Smith from the Bills. <laughs> yes, I don't have any Bill Lee thoughts. I don't know who that is, but Lee Smith. <laughs> I mean, not a household name, certainly, um, but a very reliable blocker, someone who is very respected around the NFL. It's important to note that he basically was considering retirement. The Bills mm-hmm. were planning to move on from him because they, they couldn't afford him. Um, but he was willing to be traded to a few teams. And apparently the Falcons under their, under Arthur Smith were one of the teams he was willing to be traded to. Um, so it basically gives the Falcons a better player than Luke Stalker, but he's going to fill the Luke Stalker role. He's going to be the primary blocker, but he's actually going to be able to block. Um, and <laughs> yeah, you know, I know some people were like, oh, Luke, Luke Stalker was with Arthur Smith in Tennessee. No, as soon as Arthur Smith took over Tennessee's offense, he cut Luke Stalker. And right. that's when he came to the Falcons. So I was like, no, he's not bringing back Luke Stalker. Trust me. Um, so yeah, it, he is a very good blocker. He is a reliable receiver. He doesn't catch a lot of passes. I mean, I think he caught like four, but he does yeah. catch like 90 plus percent of his targets and he catches a couple touchdowns every, every year. So he's a guy that you can use as a leak out option. You can use, you know, on those tight end throwbacks, but he's not going to be someone who's demanding any number of significant targets, but um, probably more of a locker room culture signing than people are admitting because that is what he was known for. He's yeah. very respected. So um, you know, I think it's a good signing. It was either going to be him or probably like a UDFA or very late draft pick as a blocker. So um, he's definitely going to be much more of a reliable option as a blocker than basically anyone else they could have gotten at this point. So um, yeah. doesn't move the needle in the receiving game, but a very nice pickup for blocking. Yeah. It- Especially for a reasonable price. Yes. 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 Yeah. And to be fair, you know, the guy is 33. He's been in the league, you know, a long time, which shows that, you know, he obviously knows how to do this part of the job really well, or else he would have, he would not have stuck around as long as he has. Uh, So kudos to him. Um, All right. Second player we signed linebacker, Brandon Copeland from uh, previously with the Patriots, gotten him on a one-year deal for just under 1 million, 990,000. I actually really, personally like this signing. He's a, he's the kind of player that I I don't think he is going to uh, blow anyone's socks off, but he's sort of just a consistent and, and, you know, reliable uh, defender. And, and he fills out the depth for the the Falcons in this uh, particular position. So Kev, I'll start with you here first. Any, any thoughts on Copeland? Yeah. I mean, I think he's kind of basically the three, four version of like a Steven means he's a guy that's going to be one of your lower, uh, rotational guys on the edge, but he's more of a, a fit for a three, four. He can play some off ball. He can stand up. He can put his hand in the dirt. Um, he's a guy that's had some productive seasons in terms of sacks. Like I think he had a five and a half sack season or something like that. So he's capable of, of providing some pressure, uh, but he's not someone who's going to demand a bunch of snaps. He's a reliable special teamer. I guess there's a, a connection. The Falcons new linebackers coach, um, you know, was his coach in, New York uh, when he was with the Jets. So 
a reliable guy, a guy that the Falcons desperately needed as depth, someone that you could start as like your secondary edge, but is not going to be ideal, certainly, um, but certainly fits into a DMP's defense in, in that he's he can play with his hand in the dirt, he can play standing up, and he can, you know, line up and, and rush from a variety of different places. Ow. Sorry, Bella <laughs> is just stomping <laughs> all over my shins. That was completely involuntary. <laughs> oh bella making another podcast appearance uh, oh, never at least she made it by stomping on my shin instead of farting audibly which has <laughs> also yes. been a problem yep yeah that's da- it's dangerous man when you got, when you got bella in the house yes <laughs> these are the podcast takes we come here for um <laughs> so next name on the list um safety eric harris and kevin had mentioned him a little bit earlier he pre- previously had played with the raiders uh one year 1.35 million is the deal that he came in on um uh, gina we talked about the falcons losing effectively three starters at safety mm-hmm. how important do you think it was for them to get a veteran like harris into the door in the light of losing keanu neal uh demonte kz and ricardo allen Yeah, I mean, I think that seeing all those guys walk, it immediately became, you know, the most glaring position of need. Because when you have no starters, that's a little bit frightening. Concerning. Uh, (laughs) Yes, definitely. Um, And, you know, I do like Falcon Safety is named Eric with a K. Um, (laughs) Very Scandinavian, yes. Yes, we have a, uh, you know, we, we, we have a storied history with those. So yeah, I like it. Again, it's a, it's a very cost effective signing. It's a veteran who's, you know, going to be able to come in and hit the ground running. I, yeah, I, I mean, I have no issues with the signing. Yeah. And uh, again, I think, you know, uh, you said it earlier, Kevin, that the, the bargain shopping, um, you know, one year deal, a little over a million uh, on, on the, the cap. Uh, any closing thoughts on Eric Harris? How do you think he's going to fit in with this defense? Yeah, he's um, honestly a pretty good value signing. Uh, a lot of people probably assume he's like some veteran that's like really old. No, he he came into the league in 2016. Like he's not been around that long. Um, and surprisingly has kind of bounced around. Um, ended up, you know, starting a lot of games in 2019 for Oakland and then started a bunch of games in 2020 as well. He is a natural strong safety, but he is kind of that versatile style that Dean Pease likes. He can play free. Um, He played free for Las Vegas in 2020 and it wasn't quite as good as you would hope because he plays better (laughs) towards the line of scrimmage. He just does. I mean, he's 6'2", 225 pounds. I mean, this is not your typical free safety, single high sized player. He's more of a a box guy, but he does have the versatility. He can, he can play cover two split zones and stuff like that. You just don't want him back there as like a single high guy. But um, honestly, he's graded out as a solid starter or better every single year, except this last year, according to PFF. I mean, 2019, 66.7, 66.7, which is, of course, a solid starter. And then in 2018, his best season, he was in the 70s, I believe, according to PFF, which is, you know, a good starter. So this mm-hmm. is a, a good buy-low candidate. If you put him back at his natural position of strong safety, um, let him move around a little bit, um, I think he can be a, a player that you aren't actually upset about starting. Um, you know, he's been a ball hawk, too, and he's got a chance to play. He has two and three interceptions in 2018 and 2019. So uh, quality player. I think he's obviously the favorite to start at strong safety. Um, and it gives the Falcons a little bit more flexibility to where they don't need to get like three safeties in the draft in order to actually have a safety <laughs> rotation. So that's always a good thing. <laughs> yeah. With, uh, which is, it, 
Yeah, we knew the Falcons were going to have issues, but uh, I don't think any of us thought that the uh, safety situation would become what it is. But thank thank goodness <laughs> they've had at least one signing under their belts. Um, all right, we're going to talk about some of the additional free agents they've brought in, including a name I think Falcons fans are going to be familiar with. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I am joined by Gina Kelly and Kevin Knight. We're talking about some of the free agent moves the Falcons have made uh, since the 2021 NFL season has started. Uh, we've talked about uh, Lee Smith, Brandon Copeland, Eric Harris in the first half. Now I want to talk about some of the additional names. And the first name is going to be, I think, familiar to Falcons fans because he played in the division last year. Uh, he played with the Carolina Panthers, um, got a lot of snaps. I think the, the most he had gotten in his career up until that point because of the injury to Christian McCaffrey. And Looking back, I think he had actually one of his best games against the Falcons, of course. Um, we are talking about running back Mike Davis. Um, they got him on a two-year deal worth $5.5 million. Uh, This year, he's going to count on the cap. I believe it is uh, a, little over, uh, a little over $2 million. Uh, and really, the, the deal is structured such that they can walk away from him next year. So this is sort of a one-year deal, and they're using it to, you know, using the two years to sort of spread the cap hit a little bit. Um, so, Gina, I'll go to you here first. You know, we we saw Davis play two games last year, uh, and actually, uh, you know, I, I saw a few more. And the guy is a hard runner. He is a, mm-hmm. a very versatile back. A lot of receptions last year. Uh, what are your thoughts on them bringing in Davis, especially in this minimal deal? It's not not a ton of money, and and you know, had a good year in twenty twenty. Yeah. I like it. Um, Mike Davis is a person that I put into my DFS lineup a few times last year when McCaffrey was out uh, and McCaffrey missed a ton of games. So he popped up in my lineup a bunch of times. And most of those times he got into double digit points. I thought that he performed admirably in McCaffrey's absence. Um, One of my concerns, obviously, is that the run game is never just about the running backs. It's obviously, you know, the passing game is a factor because you've got to be able to keep defenses honest, not let them stack the box. The obviously the offensive line, the blocking is a factor. So we still have a lot of questions that it'll be months before we have answers to as far as what we can expect from the run game as a whole. But as far as this one piece of it, I really like the addition, especially at that price. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you for considering what we paid 
last year for one year of Todd Gurley, this looks like a far better deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Especially uh, for a player that doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires. Um, so Kevin, um, and I think I, I'd seen you make that comment as well. This 2020 was the most uh, carries he had ever had, which was 165, which is, you know, barely a blip on the radar for a lead back. Um, the second highest was in 2018 with the Seahawks when he had 112 carries. But for his career, the guy has 412 carries, which was like one season of Michael Turner yeah. <laughs> in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, Mike Davis, what he offers to the team uh, this year? And, and additional question, um, do you think this uh, is a sign that the Falcons will not look at a running back in the draft, or do you feel like that's being overstated? Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely get to that point um, because I've looked at a lot of running backs in this class. You know, they were expected to basically be taking one very early in the draft before this signing. Probably doesn't move the needle too much, but we'll get to that. Um, Excuse me. So first of all, Mike Davis is is a great buy low running back. Um, Like uh, like DW and Gina were saying, uh, his contract for two years is the same as Gurley's contract last year. Um, and they probably don't even need to pay him next year. The, the, that second part of the contract is totally optional on the part of the Falcons. Mm-hmm. So it's basically a one-year, $2.25 million deal for a guy who started uh, basically last year and was a quality player. Um, you know, We should keep in mind that the, the Carolina Panthers offensive line was nothing special either. Um, that's why if you look at his advanced stats, Mike Davis was like 30th in the league in yards before contact because that offensive line was bad run blocking. But after contact, he was in, I believe, the top 15 of running backs. So um, <laughs> he is a physical runner. Uh, he has some agility to him. He can definitely play in a wide zone system like what Arthur Smith has run in the past, but he's versatile. He can do some inside zone. He can do some power. Very low to the ground at 5'9", 221. He's a little bowling ball. Um, also a quality receiver, you know, not someone who's other than 2018 and, uh, 2020, not really used much, but he had 34 catches in 2018, which was his best season. And then last year for the Panthers, he had 59 catches, um, (laughs) which is absurd, but, uh, you know, that he could certainly catch the football, uh, and, and that's something that's valuable. Uh, so I do like him. His yards per carry wasn't necessarily great in Carolina for the aforementioned issues. You know, only 3.9, still better than Todd Gurley. But um, (laughs) in Seattle in 2018, this is a guy that averaged 4.6 on over 100 carries. So he can be a lot better than what he looked like in Carolina. Uh, So I do like him. But I I think he's probably best as a, like, 1B running back. I don't think he's a guy that you really want as your, like, bell cow. Um, But he's someone that certainly can carry the load if needed. So mm-hmm. I think it would be really nice actually to pair him with a uh, a more dynamic presence. The Falcons don't really have that really dynamic running back. Ito Smith is someone who offers some more in the passing game. Quadri Olson is more of like a goal line bowling ball, but they don't really have that dynamic threat. So someone like Kenneth Gainwell, who we know the Falcons have talked to, is a guy that could be around in the third round. Um He's an electric, dynamic playmaker, uh, so good as a receiver that he actually lined up as a slot receiver from time to time. Uh, So he's an extremely advanced route runner, super athletic, uh, but he's 5'11", 180 pounds. So this is a guy that um, also is built a little bit like a slot receiver. So he's going to need to put on weight. Uh, He's going to need to bulk up a little bit for the NFL, but he is someone who's a future 
probably a future featured back, but he needs to bulk up. He needs time to acclimate. You know, he's, he's played such a versatile role. He's not really used to carrying the load and taking like hundreds of carries a season. So come, him coming in, being the, the one B to Mike Davis is one a this season, and then possibly taking on that featured role in future years after he's had time to grow and develop, I think is a, is a perfect plan. Um, I'd still be down for the Falcons to get a running back. If one of, one of the top guys falls to that second round pick, um, you know, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, very unlikely to be there at 35. But Javante right. Williams, obviously very interesting. Uh, a similar player to Derrick Henry. Awesome tape this year. I mean, like if you if you told me that you like Javante Williams more than Najee Harris, I wouldn't argue with you because he's that impressive. Um, definitely fits Arthur Smith's uh, prototype for RBs that he likes. But, um, you know, that's a high pick for a running back. So, with this Mike Davis signing, it means they don't need to spend that pick if they don't want to. But I don't think this really takes any of those guys off the table if they're the best player available at uh, the Falcons' particular spot. But no Najee Harris in the first round, for God's sake. Don't tweet that at me. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I, I'm with you. I, I still think running back is still very much on um, the radar for the Falcons. And I, I had some people ask me, oh, what does this mean for Quadriolison? <laughs> and um, to be blunt, uh, Allison's going to have to earn his spot on the roster. Uh, I yeah. know he hasn't gotten a fair shake uh, from the previous regime, but uh, at this point, he he really is going to have to impress these, the the new coaching staff um, with Davis coming in. Uh, it, it seems almost certain that Davis, Edo Smith are going to be two guys that are certainly going to be here. Um, past that, I don't think anything's guaranteed. Um, mm-hmm. All right, uh, Kev. Linebacker Barkibius Mingo uh, came in one-year deal, $1.25 million. How do you see him fitting in with his team? Yeah, I mean, he's, like I said, a similar similar player to like Stephen Means and Charles Harris last year, like guys at the Falcons brought back to be the kind of end-of-roster rotational players. Mingo, obviously, incredible athlete, never really been able to put it together. Uh, he's a former top-five bust, I believe. Uh, so, obviously the potential is always there for him to just like all of a sudden have the light turn on and be great. He's not signed to do that. He's signed to be like maybe the third pass rusher in the rotation and a guy that has really kind of found his home as a, an impact special teams player. Um, But he's, he's a rotational guy. He's going to be a solid depth option. And again, he makes it so that the Falcons actually have something behind Dante Fowler because right now it's Fowler and Jacob Twatty Mariner as the starters. And then it was nothing like it was literally nobody else. So you add Copeland, you add Mango. Now you actually have something resembling an NFL edge rotation. Um, so I still think they're likely to draft someone very high, uh, either the second or the third round. That is where the strength of this class is. Uh, you know, a guy like uh, in my mock draft on Thursday, uh, Hamilcar Rashid Jr., Jalen Phillips would be awesome if he falls to the second round. I don't think that's going to happen, but that would be sweet. Um, there's a lot of guys you can get in that day two range that can be your your second edge, and I think that's where the Falcons are going to end up going. Yeah, and, and Gina, um, this guy was drafted back in 2013 um, mm-hmm. by a, a team you're familiar with, the Cleveland Browns uh, from your home state. Um, yep. Uh, number six overall. And so at some point teams thought this guy had the pedigree to be uh, a dynamic playmaker, as Kevin mentioned, that has not panned out obviously. Um, But again, we're not paying him. We're not asking him to come in and be that guy that was drafted in the first round. 
Uh, what do you think about the value of bringing in a guy like this at 30 years old? He'll be 31 in October. Um, again, sort of a one-year rental for Dean Pease as he tries to rebuild this Falcons defense. Yeah, I like it. Um, I like it. I like his his ability to con- contribute on special teams. Um, everything that Kevin said about actually building out an edge rotation is totally valid and something that we've been looking for with this team for a long time. So I like that aspect of it. Obviously, another bargain signing. I'm big fan of that. Uh, and the other thing I just want to say about Mingo is that, yes, like he does have uh, what a lot of teams consider to be first round talent. And I do think that spending the first three years of his career in Cleveland, where during a time when they just didn't really have any stability with the coaching staff. And I, I just think that that's a, a really problematic situation for a young player. And then mm-hmm. he's never had more than a one year stop anywhere else. And so I think that, it, you know, if he can come in and get settled here, you know, I think the Falcons could get a couple of good years out of them. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the signing. I mean, like you said, they're not paying him to come in and be, you know, a monster wrecking quarterbacks every play. They're paying him <laughs> to come in and contribute what he can. And so, yeah, especially given the salary cap situation, I think that it's he's a good signing. Yeah. And, and- your point about Cleveland is such a great one. I feel like any player who went through uh, Cleveland in those days should be given a second shot at life. Yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Last name we're going to touch on. This essentially is the 51st player uh, for the Falcons 2021 roster. Um, and this guy's interesting to me because I feel like he's under the radar, but he could end up being a significant contributor for the Falcons in 2021. That is cornerback Fabian Moreau. How about that name? I love that name. Um, (laughs) He previously played with the Washington football team. He is here on a one-year deal. We don't know the exact numbers yet, but what we're hearing is it's around the $1 million range, maybe underneath that. Uh, So, you know, as we mentioned earlier, probably puts the Falcons somewhere between 200 and 400,000 in cap space. Um, but this guy, he's only going to be, this stunned me. Um, he is only going to be 27 in April. So by no means, uh, has he, you know, hit that age wall yet. Um, and actually from what, you know, I I was reading, he's, he's had some, you know, decent years, uh, in the league. So, um, Gina, what are your thoughts? We, We, we know the cornerback situation right now is not ideal for the Falcons. They've got a a lot of young guys, a lot of young guys Mm -hmm. that struggle, but they struggled under a regime that was, you know, almost similar to the Browns with a lot of turmoil. Um, Yeah. Maybe Moreau is a guy that could come in and maybe even push for a starting position. What what do you think about uh, this last signing? I think that anything is possible at the quarter or cornerback, not at the quarterback position, please. I do not want <laughs> Falcons fans tweeting me about trading Matt Ryan um, cornerback oh. position. I think that anything is possible just because of the inconsistency of play that we've seen from the guys who are still here on the roster from last year. Um, I really hope that Moreau is great mainly for the Island of Dr. Moreau jokes, like <laughs> move over Rebus Island. <laughs> oh, this, man. Is the, this is the Island of Dr. Moreau. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that he definitely has potential. I like this, you know, the one year deal, especially for a young guy. I-, I thought that we'd see a lot of one year deals with the drop in the salary cap this year, because people are just going to try to get paid something this year and then try to hit it big next year in free right. agency. So 
but yeah, I mean, all in all with the money that they had to work with, I think that they did a really impressive job of addressing needs in a cost-effective way with players who have at least significant potential to contribute. That's such a great point. And I, I just want to hammer on that a little bit because uh, to your point, we all knew they were going to have cap issues that, uh, that was clearly the case going in. And when the salary cap got chunked down to uh, effectively, you know, 185, uh, we, we knew that the Falcons were going to have to make a lot of painful moves. They would have very little space to work with. Um, we do expect that the salary cap will jump back up in 2022. And then really 2023 is when we think the cap is just going to skyrocket uh, from the new TV deals that they worked out with the networks and, and the Amazon uh, for that matter. Um, but I, I, I'm with you, Gina. I, I feel like for what they had, uh, and Fontenot, I think, has done a really good job of finding guys that you know have experience. They have some potential to be decent starters, um, and he he just didn't break the bank for any of them. Um, and that right now is what the Falcons need to do to be able to put together an actual roster with enough players to put on the field. <laughs> um, you know, much less get out there and compete. Um, so last question to both of you, uh, before we close this one out, Kevin, I'll go to you with this one first. Um, now that we've signed these guys, we're up to 51 players. We already mentioned they're going to have to sign another 39 to get to the training camp 90. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that the draft class, you know, is going to be anywhere from, you know, seven to 10, 12 players, uh, depending on what they do with the nine picks that they have. Um, what do you think? the Falcons may continue to try to look at in free agency. Uh, If we're looking at, you know, what's the next position do you think they should target? Is it safety? Is it corner? Is it uh, defensive line? Is it offensive line? Where do you think the Falcons efforts will be in free agency? Maybe even before the draft gets here. Yeah, I think it's a guarantee. We're going to see at least two more veterans come in. One of them is going to be an offensive lineman probably a center guard hybrid player, like what we've talked about. You know, I'm still holding out hope for Steven Wisniewski. I've been trying to get Wisniewski into Atlanta for like five years. Um, He's just a quality guy. Like everywhere he goes, he grades out as a solid starter. Uh, Maybe he doesn't start, maybe he does, but he can start. um, And he's played center and left guard. He played left guard for the Chiefs last year. Was, you know, a cog on on that Super Bowl offensive line. He was not the biggest liability uh, in the Super Bowl, but um, you know, he's someone that I think is a reliable guy. He could be a stopgap uh, if you needed him to. And again, it gives you some flexibility with the draft. The other one is a backup quarterback, uh, regardless of what the team plans to do at four overall. I still think they're in the market for a quarterback, even though Matt Ryan's restructure muddies the water a little bit there. Um, they're going to add a veteran backup. Um, they're going to add someone there. I don't know who it will be. I don't know how much it's going to cost, but it'll be someone just because you can't go into the draft with just Matt Ryan. It'll be too obvious that a quarterback is coming. They want to disguise their motives. They want teams to think they're capable of anything because they probably are. Um, So that is something to keep in mind. But um, yeah, I mean, most of the remaining players to fill out that 90 are going to be undrafted free agents. I would say that we could see a massive UDFA class, like a 20 person UDFA class at this point or more. So um, 
it's going to be a lot of undrafted players. The Falcons are going into the season with mostly one-year deals. Uh, and I think that's a smart strategy for this Caps draft year because, look, if if any of these one-year deals plays really well, you have the option of re-signing them or you're right. probably in the market for a ton of comp picks next year as well. So if these guys you bring in really cheap end up starting, end up getting deals elsewhere, you could be stacking up comp picks next year and the year after, which is always nice to have. We've seen a lot of these really yes. successful teams build through a lot of one-year deals and a lot of comp picks coming in that gives you more draft flexibility that gives you more assets to move around now that they're tradable so uh, a good strategy for a team like the Falcons who doesn't have a lot of cap space but could have a lot of draft picks over the next few years yeah in such a great position to be in Um, Gina as you look at the roster and everything we've talked about knowing the remaining holes what are some of the positions you think they'll continue to look at even before the draft gets here yeah, I think that Kevin just nailed it. Um, I think that he nailed all of the all of the things that they still need to do and the things that I think it, it's likely that they focus on those things. I am really interested to see what they do about the backup quarterback position because, you know, they could have just kept Benkert, who they signed mm-hmm. to a futures contract and it was going to be inexpensive. Um, but I guess with a new coaching staff coming in, you know, and having to learn a whole offense, it is an opportunity to get another veteran in there, maybe with some starting experience. And I could see that that's something that they would want to have. You know, we've been so fortunate with Matt Ryan's health. Um, but uh, David, you and I both know the older you get, the, the less oh, likely man. that is to to hold. And so, um, Amen. you know, I think, yeah, I think that that's probably a smart move. And yeah, just pretty much everything Kevin said was spot on, in my opinion. Yeah, I think they they definitely need more depth on the offensive line. You know, mm-hmm. uh, James Carpenter was not going to be the starting left guard. Um, but Thankfully, no. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> um, but to that point, we still need a starting left guard. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that feels like that's – to me, that feels like the next immediate position to look at for the Falcons. Um all right. It, it, it has been fun to get back on this podcast with both of you, uh, Gina. It's been too long. Of course, we need to uh, get back in the cycle once the, the draft and everything gets here. Um, but why don't you both uh, let our listeners where they can find what you've got going on. Gina, I'll go to you first. You can find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas. That's J-E-A-N-N-A Thomas. And other than that, um, I'm full speed ahead planning for SB Nation's communities to cover the draft. And so um, be on the lookout. We're going to be doing our 15th annual community mock draft that we will start releasing on a daily basis, each pick in April going up to when the draft begins. Um, We're going to have a ton of, you know, player scouting reports and things like that, that we're going to be sharing. Got a lot of stuff in the works. So yeah, just keep an eye on the Falcoholic, obviously, first and foremost, but also SB Nation and the rest of our NFL team sites for all of that. Awesome. Kevin, let our listeners where they can know where they can find you, what you have going on. Yeah, so I am at Falcoholic Kevin on Twitter, and the our other sister show is at Falcoholic Live. That's on YouTube Wednesdays at eight ten p.m. Eastern. We've got an interview with long snapper Josh Harris coming up next week. So if you've got any itching long snapper questions that you've just been waiting <laughs> for an opportunity to get off your chest, check that out. Uh, we'll be doing another live mock draft too. I know you guys really enjoyed that, so we'll we'll be doing another one of those for sure. Um, 
Also, you can check out my latest uh, written mock draft that is on the site as of Thursday, so you can check that out. And I'll be starting up a new video series as well, checking out uh, the Falcons' free agents that they've signed, doing a little bit of a film review on those guys to see exactly what the Falcons have in some of these new free agents. So thanks for that. Good deal. Uh, as for me, guys, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at Falcoholic Pod, and of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So, for Gina Kelly and Kevin Knight, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in, and we'll talk with you next time. <laughs>